you know, strategies change, products change, things evolve. Um, I just think life in general is temporary. And, and the most important thing is, is now and, and to really enjoy yourself and immerse yourself and focus on the now, because that's, I think, the most important thing. Hey, everyone. I am Rish and welcome to Inspired, the podcast, the community featuring inspiring people across numerous disciplines with passion to share their wisdom with us. In each episode, I will have insightful and fun conversations with inspiring people on their professional journey, their successes, struggles, lessons learned and much more. Welcome everyone to the next episode of Inspired. I'm super excited for, uh, to welcome our guest for today, who is managing partner at Dear Canuck. Uh, Howard Morgenstern. Uh, Howard has around two decades of experience in data, BI space, and has worked at organizations like Microsoft, Tableau, and is now on a mission to help organizations in getting value out of their data and make better decisions using data. Howard, thank you so much for joining us. Excited to have you today. Where are you joining us from today? I'm excited to be here. Finally, we we connect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, you're based in Toronto? Yeah, um, right. I'm based in Toronto. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. rainy day here. Yeah, yeah. So for folks who don't know, Howard and I, like we're both from GTA area, as Howard said, uh, greater Toronto area. And we have a lot of common connections. Uh, so we got introduced on LinkedIn through various common connections. And uh, we then started having chats on all things data. Uh, so I, we thought like it would be great to have Howard on Inspired and shared about Data Canuck and how Data Canuck is helping organizations. Uh, but before I get to that, uh, what I would like to know more about is your career journey, Howard. I believe uh, you were the first sales engineer at Tableau Canada. Uh, so yeah. how has the journey been from when you started at SAP, then to Microsoft, to Tableau, and now starting Data Canuck? Okay. Um, so it's been a while. It's like you said, it's about like two decades, which <laughs> incredibly goes very quickly. Um, I first started at Crystal Decisions actually in 2002 when they were opening up an office here in Toronto. Um, so I was part of that sort of initial build of the, of the, um, the office and, and, and really was, you know, selling like an individual contributor as a sales engineer, um, selling mostly to the U.S. With, within their inside sales model which was a great run. We, we had a lot of success. We really grew the, the company, the business um, to incredible proportions. And Crystal back in the day was really the gold standard for reporting. Yeah. I mean, it was bundled right into Crystal, uh, sorry, Visual Studio. So yeah. a lot of developers had access, you know, easy access to, to uh, Crystal Decisions or the Crystal Control, drop it in an app. It was really like, uh, kind of like amazing, right? Like, be able to quickly like drag and drop kind of like fields into in, in, and automatically create SQL and then, you know, post it up on a server. Um, they were really focused on the Crystal Enterprise, which was the back end of, uh, of that Crystal Report server. And a lot of our leads came from, from those Visual Studio developers who wanted to have more of a, a platform to be able to, to kind of post those reports. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got bought by Business Objects, which was, which was a right. really acquisition um you know business objects was a great tool a lot of success 
their you know their webby and and full client applications were were really quite uh, revolutionary as well at the time. But they were running they ran into a real problem where I think it was version six and they were upgrading all their customers and it just didn't work. Like it was really the first time in my software career where you know they're selling software that just didn't work quite, quite right. Quite. I haven't heard of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. that's good. That's a good situation. Um, so they really bought the company to kind of migrate their products into that crystal enterprise architecture and mm -hmm. be able to um, scale and be able to move their clients forward. Um, and I and I still believe that that sort of crystal enterprise architecture might have been updated since then um, is still out there today. Right. That SAP. I left before the SAP acquisition. Um I moved on to Microsoft. They were just starting their BI journey at that time. They had just bought a company called ProClarity, which, um, yeah. you know, I, I believe... remember early days of ProClarity. Do you remember ProClarity? Yeah, 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 yeah I do. I, I think it was like, I think it's still probably the best tool for as an OLAP client. I mean, mm -hmm. I know a lot of customers are moving off OLAP, but um, I thought it was a great client and a uh, great company based in, in Boise, Idaho. I had, the chance, I had the chance to go out there, which is a great spot. Um, in the in the U.S. and uh, they were building a product called Performance Point, and uh, you know that had some budgeting and planning capabilities, some analytics, and uh, and some KPIs. So uh, it was a great run there. Um, you know their their product strategy shifted a lot. Um, they ultimately, you know they bought ProClarity and essentially killed the product literally mm -hmm. on the same almost the same time. And then as Performance Point sort of grew. Uh, they sort of killed that product as well. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we were kind of left with uh, various things to sell. I mean, it was started with SQL Server, you know, all of the capabilities in the back end um, and reporting services, of course, which is still there today. And then they moved it into SharePoint and yeah. started to uh, build new products like Power Pivot, which is, which is still today. It's kind of the precursor to their uh, tabular model. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is kind of the new, newer version of OLAP. And then um, PowerView, which was a, a precursor to Power BI. Um, so, you know, working in a large multi-product company like Microsoft has its challenges. I'm sure you feel the same way at Google. You know, there are so many different priorities and competing sort of groups and product teams. Um, and, and BI kind of fell through a lot of the cracks there. Right. Like it wasn't in the back end anymore. It wasn't in, in the front end. They actually moved it when I left. They actually moved it to office. Okay. So it was a complicated strategy, not only from a sales perspective, but also from a customer perspective. Right. And then you'd have like these matrices of like, well, which BI tool should I use? Should I use Excel? Should I use reporting services? Should I use, you know, some of these new power tools? Like it was complicated. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and really the messaging there um, was, you know, just based on the way that they sell or the way that customers buy products, right? I mean, they have these enterprise agreements, you know, they got sort of a laundry list of, uh, of products on those agreements. And then, um, you know, you're really trying to just make sure that your product, uh, one, stays on the agreement, right? The customer doesn't drop your, your product. And then the other thing is, is that the customer deploys what you're set, what you're actually selling or what, what you're, you know, what's there, right? Yeah. Because if they don't deploy it, they're not going to renew it. So it really became a kind of a maintenance or a renewal kind of sales cycle, which 
quite frankly, is not terribly interesting, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So that sort of, you know, ran its course. And, and uh, I had actually a friend of mine who, uh, who actually worked with me at Business Objects and Microsoft. He had just joined Tableau. And Tableau was just starting out in Canada. They had hired a sales rep. And they were just starting to kind of build the business in Canada. And, um, you know, they were looking for a sales engineer. So, you know, as soon as I had, you know, kind of downloaded Tableau and sort of played around with it a little bit against, you know, my, you know, standard data set that I was very comfortable with at Microsoft, I realized that I, you know, I was working for the wrong company um, <laughs> because Tableau was just an amazing tool and just mm -hmm. really fun to work with, quite frankly. Um, so I joined Tableau, you know, there was some growth and some changes in there. I really hooked up with a, with one sales rep in particular, Tyson, who uh, we just had some incredible success with. I mean, we were, you know, we started from nothing. Like we, mm -hmm. and, and Tableau back, this was 2013, um, really didn't have the brand awareness that it did today. A lot, you know, we had no customers in Canada. We had a couple of uh, banks, but they were more based in the US or their US subsidiaries were, were using Tableau. So we spent a lot of time just like literally downtown feet on the street, just trying to, you know, anyone who would listen to us or watch mm -hmm. a demo or have a conversation about, about Tableau and about data visualizations. Um, and, and then we just, you know, we started to get some success. We got a couple of customers. We really focused on, you know, the banks, the insurance and telcos, which I think, you know, for the majority of the market in Canada, especially in Toronto, um, you know, really cements your space in that enterprise area. And then we started to grow. We, 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 you know, we hired in Montreal, we hired in Calgary, we hired in Ottawa and Vancouver and started to grow the business to what it is today. Right. Right. Yeah. You, you brought up so many tools. I, yeah. you know, I went back <laughs> to my old days of consultancy when I started my career, uh, I remember seeing a demo of Proclarity, as you mentioned, Tableau early days, uh, and uh, I was working for a client and they were, they were just starting with Tableau. And when I also looked at it, I just fell in love with the tool itself. And maybe it's also like when you love the tool, you start loving the uh, domain. So data visualization was kind of something I started enjoying because it's just fun, as you said. <laughs> uh, well, the interesting thing is like customers love Tableau. Like I remember walking into a meeting and, you know, there's a whole bunch of people around a board table and, you know, this one woman, she hugged me. She was like, thanking me. She was like, thank you. I'm like, I don't even know you. Why are you thanking me? <laughs> She's like, well, if it wasn't for Tableau, I wouldn't want to be here. Like she, the, people were so passionate about it. And mm -hmm. especially when I came from Microsoft, I don't know, you know, I always, when I was in a meeting, um, you know, representing Microsoft, there was always one Microsoft bigot in the room who just did not like Microsoft for whatever reason, right? And, and it had nothing probably to do with their data products or, or what have you, but they just had a bad experience or, or what have you. Um, and this was completely the opposite experience. Like customers were so passionate. And then I went out to uh, one of our conferences and I don't know if, you know, I don't know what your Google conferences are like, but this was like insane. People were just like rabid fans and just so passionate about not just the uh, Tableau, but just data 
in general. Mm-hmm. Like really something special to see. Right, right. Yeah. And that led to start you starting Data Canuck. Uh, and I also wanted to know, like, is there any story behind the name of Data Canuck? Uh, how did you come up with the name? So I, I'm always uh, interested yeah, in, in these names. <laughs> so um, I'm, a, I'm a passionate skier. I'm, I've been skiing like all my life. Um, and there was uh, uh, the Canadian ski team back in the 80s were known as the Crazy Canucks. Mm-hmm. And there was four of them. And, you know, prior to that time frame, um, you know, it was very dom- – the, the, the downhill ski or the ski World Cup ski was very dominated by um, Europeans, right? They won all the, all the, mm-hmm. the races and so on. Um, and these Crazy Canucks, these four guys from Canada – uh, they made a lot of noise in the, uh, in the World Cup ski area. Um, so I, I think it was, I don't even remember, it was maybe like five years ago, I was looking for a Twitter handle and uh, something with data in it. And it's very hard to find anything with data and, and even a Everyone, domain nowadays. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of grow in that and it was available. So uh, I did the same <laughs> thing with the company and, and the domain. And, uh, and that's kind of the origin of that, uh, the name. Um, oh, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know about it. Uh, so I, I always get fascinated or interested in the stories of how the, how people come up with names. And the, I always find there are some interested, interesting personal stories uh, tied to the name of, of the companies. Uh, you, you've worked with like so many customers across the two uh, decades uh, in BI data space. And uh, I'm pretty sure you would have seen like diverse challenges that the customers face with their data. So across these diverse challenges, what you think has been the common theme uh, in these challenges that customers have been uh, facing uh, that you see? So, you know, a lot of customers, you know, they've been collecting data for so long and, mm-hmm. and they have so much data. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, but it's, they don't even know what they, what they have, quite frankly. You know, they're just collecting it and storing it and they don't really understand what's there and what value can bring to their business. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I've seen is just what what do we have? How do we want to use it and, and, and what value this can bring to our business? Um, definitely the volume has been increasing over time, right? As more applications and there's more touch points, especially for their customers, Um I think the explosion of the tools market as well um, is is a challenge for a lot of customers. Um, I think it really, you know, and that's why I think a lot of times Excel is um, still probably the number one BI tool in the market today, just because that's what's on users' desktops and that's what they have to use. Um, By the same token, there's so many tools out there. It's almost like a a paradox of choice. I think some of the other challenges would be like the skill and expertise to use some of these tools to be able to, um, you know, work with data in, 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 in a meaningful way. Um, and then at a high level, some of the strategy, like I said, like they don't necessarily know um, what they have and, and what value it can bring to their business and how they, how they can derive value out of it. Right. Cause mm-hmm. You know, making better business decisions is definitely, you know, kind of the ultimate goal of of data, um, right? You just don't collect and store data for the sake of collecting and store data. 
Um, but what other revenue streams, for example, can it bring you or what additional value can it bring your business? Right. Uh, yeah, that's an important uh, point. And one of the things you mentioned about having so many tools as well. So it also makes your decision so hard uh, because you want to invest in in a strategy that is not just for today. Uh, it's it's a future proof, right? Uh, and you need to have that vision in the business, uh, where the business would be heading, uh, how you want to invest in the data, not now, but in next 10 years. And what kind of tools uh, or adoption of the these tools would fit into your strategy, which also aligns with your business strategy. Uh, and and the challenges that I know we've been, we were discussing this offline as well, the challenges that we were customers were facing like five to seven years back or even 10 years back, say, are were different. And now the data world has changed so much uh, and it's rapidly changing. So the challenges the customer face today are not the same that they used yeah. to face 10 years back, right? So in your experience, and you have seen that in the last 20 years, how are these challenges different today? Uh, and how will now they change in the future? Uh, you've seen that transition. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think today everything is cloud-based, right? I mean, yeah. customers have different expectations from data and just applications in general. Um, I don't see a lot of appetite for, you know, on-prem um, services or on-prem applic applications. So applications, data is now living in the cloud. That's just sort of the reality. Um, and, you know, customers want that sort of, uh, you know, SaaS experience with data. Um, I think that is one, you know, and but but by the same token, they haven't really shifted their strategy towards cloud or they're sort of in a cloud migration sort of movement, right? So they're, they're not fully in the cloud. They still have a lot of on-prem and maybe even, you know, data, data you know, hosted on-prem, on but, but they're kind of moving there. So they're kind of have this hybrid scenario. And that I saw that a lot when I was at, at Starburst, like every customer had data in the cloud, but they also had data on-prem and they wanted to connect to both, right? Mm -hmm. And that has its, its own unique challenges, right? In terms of security, firewalls, and so on. Um, so I think that sort of hybrid strategy of cloud and on-prem is, is definitely, you know, relatively new, although everyone seems to be moving more towards the cloud. So there's migration of these on-prem apps to the cloud. Um, I still think volume is a, is a big issue. Also, some of the, you know, the formats of data, right? Um, there's a lot of new data formats. And, and you mentioned about, you know, I think one of the key things is like optionality, right? Yeah. Is not being locked into a particular vendor or a particular format. Um, having that optionality. So there's a lot of open formats. And I think that's kind of important, especially from a strategy perspective, uh, moving customers forward so that they're not locked into a particular vendor or they can shift, you know, their data or move their data, you know, I, although that doesn't happen that often, but it, it, it has potential for that. Right. I was reading an article, uh, the point you made about variety of data and uh, more data nowadays is unstructured data, whereas we've, we've been so used to structured data in, in the past. And in the future as well, I see like there would be a lot of unstructured data 
Uh, mm-hmm. Analytics would be done through speech. Uh, there would be a lot of speech, uh, kind of data that would come, images. So, uh, I mean, those are the new kind of challenges in terms of data I also see uh, in that organization would need to tackle in the future. A- absolutely. I think that's growing. And, and you see customers, especially around images of, of documents and, and, and being able to... Um, you know, do BI on images or, or documents, right? And yeah. metadata of that. And um, I think that's a big area coming as well. Right, sure. right. And how how is the data kind of helping uh, or planning to help organizations better prepare and overcome these challenges that you mentioned? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm very vendor neutral, right? I mean, I mean, mm. I came from, from Microsoft and Tableau and so on, but... But really, I'm, I look at the data market in a very neutral fashion. And in a lot of ways, Tableau was very neutral as well around data. It was very agnostic. It, it didn't really care about where your data was. It pretty much connected to any data. And it was really about the visualization and the, that experience. Um, so I think, you know, I don't have any relationships. I'm not a, you know, a Tableau reseller or a Microsoft partner or so on. Um, so we don't have those sort of allegiances to those existing vendors. I think really what 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 Data Canucks focuses is uh, is fit for purpose and best of breed, and, mm-hmm. and I really believe that. Um, and also providing a cost effective solution because you know it's easy to go out there and buy kind of the most expensive, potentially the best solution on the market today, right? But does it really make sense for what you're trying to do? And for, you know, let's face it, your budget, right? I mean, I think IT shops and companies are a lot more cost conscious today, um, especially with this sort of economic slowdown that's happening. And being able to to provide or offer or, you know, provide a solution that is um, best of breed, but also cost effective, I think is very useful. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, quite frankly, the open source area is a very exciting area right now there's a lot of development a lot of uh, innovation happening in there both in the pure open source model and in this sort of uh, vendor or this I'm not sure the right term but you know there's vendors that have taken this open source technology added some capabilities some support and so on and are, are licensing that technology um, so there's a lot of interest in that area as well you know, a lot, you know, all of, you know, for example, Databricks and Starburst, they're all based on open source projects. Um, so there, you know, you know, do you need those types of licenses or is the open source version good enough for what you're doing? And like I said, fit for purpose. Like I don't, you know, I don't believe in building, um, you know, the, this monolithic architecture that, uh, you know, is, is, is built, you know, kind of like one, one size fits all. I don't think that really that works in today's world because each use case is, is in a lot of ways very unique and and very specific. And you know these products, especially when you're talking about cloud, um, can be stood up really quickly and really easily, right? So yeah. it's not this you know long deployment cycle of standing up servers and and getting all the data center and all that, you know, like, a lot of stuff can get spun up really quick. I mean, you know, just a Tableau cloud, you know, you you could be, you know, live in an hour, right? I mean, you know, you could be publishing and sharing visualizations literally in a day. So um, there's not that big, 
kind of deployment phase. So I don't think, you know, you, you can get stuff up quickly and you can get stuff out there quickly um, and be able to solve that problem or that use case, um, you know, with a variety of tools and a variety of technologies that are out there without sort of like blowing your whole budget. I mean, ultimately, you know, I'm looking for service dollars, which is really on the consulting, maybe some of the implementation if that's required, but really um, being able to provide those services without spending all of your money or your budget on licenses, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you, I was looking at Data Canuck, uh, and the, the tagline for Data Canuck is do more with data, right? Uh, and I love the tagline. So, <laughs> and it could, what exactly would, you say, do you mean by, uh, and how do you think organizations can do more with data? Because it's very hard to say, am I doing more? And is it, how do I measure that, right? That they're doing right. more with data and they need to continue to enhance, grow and learn with the data. So if you can share some thoughts on yeah. what do you mean by do more with data? So I think a lot of companies are leaving money on the table with their data. I mean, one is that they're not certain what's there, right? They mm -hmm. just certainly haven't, they haven't discovered uh, their data and, and, and their true value of it. But I also think that, you know, monetizing your data and selling your data is a, a really kind of an area that a lot of customers really aren't uh, looking into or, or interested in or, or haven't been interested in in the past. And um, I mean, ultimately, BI especially really is focused, if you, if you boil it right down, it's really focused on two things, right? It's increasing revenue or decreasing costs, right? Every yeah. use case has some sort of underlying strategy of those two focuses, right? Um, and if you think about data monetization, it's, it's adding an additional revenue stream to the company, right? You're taking your data, you're cleaning it up, right? You're removing any, you know, PII or any sort of identification data, and providing it, you know, and there's lots of data marketplaces out there and selling your data. I have a couple of examples I can share with you actually in this. Uh, my partner actually works in healthcare in, in the hep C space, which is a very niche market and, 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 you know, with drugs and so on that can actually cure hep C, which is quite interesting. So, so their company sells their data back to the pharma company um, because it has it's all the trials, right? It's all this patient information. It's all the outcomes, reoccurrences of the disease and so on. It's actually the most um, complete set of, of data that they have. And they pay, they pay a lot for this data. Um, mm. I was working when I was with Tableau, I was working with another company um, that had set top boxes and they literally knew every, you know, streaming channel, what you watched, when you watched, how long you, all this kind of data, right? Kind of like this Nelson analytics data. Um, so they were selling that back as well to some of their providers because they had all of this rich data. And it really was just a, a, an exercise of collecting it and aggregating it and, and you know, presenting it in some way. So that I think that, you know, customers that have rich sets of data, um, they don't even realize the gold mine that they have, right? Like they may have it. Um, they may think at first, okay, I want to, you know, make better business decisions with this data to enhance 
the customer experience or like I said, increased revenue or decreased cost. But th that data is useful across many different industries and across many, you know, many different use cases as well. Um, so I think that's an area where I think customers, you know, if they want to invest in, you know, in that space, and I, I think it could provide them additional revenue. Now, that has some other challenges with it. Like I said, you need to kind of prep your data for that, right? You can't just sell raw data. It has to be somewhat, you know, cleansed and, and in a yeah. format that's easily consumable. But, you know, it's definitely easy to do. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I, uh, I'm i pretty sure there are a lot of organizations, as you rightly said, uh, leaving the data at table uh, and which could be monetized. Uh, in my experience, Howard, I mean, I haven't, in all the organizations I've been in, I haven't seen data being looked from that perspective so far. Yeah. So, which now, as you said, I'm thinking, like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a great well, revenue stream. The challenge is, is like with data and organizations, there's a maturity curve, right? Yeah. So there's very simple organizations that are still doing today, just basic spreadsheet analysis of data, right? They don't have any kind of governance. They don't have any maybe centralized stores, you know, and, and as they move up the chain um, and they become more mature and as they kind of grow um, in their maturity, you know, data monetization is definitely on the end of that curve. Right. Like mm -hmm. you always think of like predictive and, you know, even AI to some ways is a much more mature type of data organization. But monetization is definitely on the end of that, like a much more mature organization that is, is, is kind of ready for that. Um, but I don't from a technical perspective, maybe from a culture perspective within the company, but from a technical perspective, data is data. Right. Um, so I don't think it you don't you don't necessarily have to be that mature uh if you have that data and are willing you know from a cultural perspective to to open it up or to to, to sell it essentially right and how how, how does the team at data canuck uh engage with with your clients say is it do you guys come in only in a particular phases of customers data journey or you are with them right from when they try to understand you know we don't have any data strategy and help right. us and right away till the end. Well, ideally we'd like to come in kind of in the formulation of their data strategy, right. And mm -hmm. to kind of help them guide them with, with that. Um, because, you know, I, I, I don't believe that, you know, this company is set up for, you know, we don't want to own your data platforms and manage it for you. Um, like on a you know monthly basis or anything. So, you know, we're more interested in some of the strategy, some of the early phases, um, maybe setting a roadmap, some, some, some phases of that roadmap, um, and then going after a particular use case, and then, you know, solving that use case, and then ultimately iterating on that use case, right? Because I don't believe in, you know, like that boil the ocean approach, you know, let's solve it quickly, easily, and then refine it, and then we can yeah. go back. So... I think it's more around the, 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 the formulation of strategy in more of the early phases of their, and to help them also from a data culture perspective as well, to help the company make and, and sort of foster this data first type of um, initiative within the company, right? To have 
the, the you know the people think about data um, as opposed to thinking from their gut, right? Like being mm -hmm. able to and be able to access data in a, in a you know on in an easy easy way, right, on their desktops or you know through their phone or what have you. Um, so definitely the earlier phases of the of their journey um, kind of guide them, right? Um, kind of point them in the, in the right direction for what they're trying to do. Because like I said, I, I think everything is fit for purpose and, and really best of breed. So, um, and, and helping them to just mature as a data organization and ultimately, you know, make, make better business decisions, what, 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 you know, and align with their goals. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, and throughout your career, you've, worn like many hats. I know you've been like a QA engineer, automation engineer, software developer, uh, solution architect, and you know, also pre-sales leader. And now you are directly marketing your data skills to customers. So in all these roles, what have you enjoyed the most so far and why? Um, well, I really liked writing code, actually. It was the most, <laughs> it was really fun, you know, like you create something from really nothing. Right. And you literally create a product on your computer with some code, which is really cool. Um, but I think really the sales engineer probably was my most fulfilling role just because you're, you know, frontline. Right. You're really um, driving and, and messaging the company strategy and having the most impact on revenue. Um, mm -hmm. And revenue is king, especially in today's age. Right. So. You know, you're, you have, you're selling, which is a lot of fun, but you're not, you know, you're more of a technical seller. So you have the technical kind of chops to talk deep about mm -hmm. the technology or that space that you're selling into. And then also you, the relationships that you have with your customers are more of a trusted advisor um, than, you know, your typical, you know, salesperson who really is just managing the relationship. But you know, can be, you know, focused or, or a little more, um, you know, uh, quota driven than, um, than a typical pre-sales person. And, and you're really trying to find the right solution for them. Um, the challenge I had with that, and this is one of the reasons why I, I you know, I, I went and, you know, started this data connect company is you're very focused along the lines of the vendor. So you could, you know, we, I would help customers, but you could only help them so far. Right. Because one is you don't work for the company. They're not paying you. Right. Pre-sales essentially is, is a free you know, resource to the customer to help them decide on, on you know, the solution that yeah. they ultimately chose. And you hope it's yours. But, you know, you can only go so far like a proof of concept, maybe a, a pilot. But anything beyond that really is like a paid engagement or the customer is going to own it or it's too, you know, it's too time consuming for, for an engineer to, to kind of attach to. So you can really only go so far and you can, you know, you, you really didn't kind of like close the loop, right? Like I, I, I personally loved when, you know, you, you'd circle back with customers and find out what they actually did with the technology they bought from you and what are some of the business outcomes that, you know, were derived from it. Right. Because, you know, the, you kind of drop this solution in their hands and then you're like, OK, we'll see in like six months or so. Or, you know, give me a call if you have a problem, which ultimately they do. Right. Because you've built that relationship with them. Um, so, 
you know, they do, you're literally the first person they call when they have a problem, yeah. um, which, which has its challenges too. But, you know, it, it's nice to see some, some, you know, success stories and to see like how they have deployed and benefited from your technology. And, and that, that gives you a lot of, it gave me a lot of satisfaction. Right. Right. Thanks for sharing. And my next question, I want to talk more quickly about some products, right? Or get your thoughts on products. If you have to pick your favorite data product, uh, what would that be? Um, that I've worked with or just in general? In general, it could be general. Okay. Like the, the data product that you think this is what I love the most. It's <sighs> a good question. I mean, obviously Tableau, but I, I you know, cause I, cause it's just so fun to work with, right? Like it's mm -hmm. just so visual and so interactive, but um, Tableau created a product called prep and um, yeah. which was to help prep the data because they quickly found out that, you know, data for visualization needs to be prepped. It's not, you know, kind of clean right out of the warehouse or the source, but um, there's a screen in prep where you connect to your data and it sort of puts it all on one screen for you and it shows you all your dimensions and then it even shows you counts um, and even with some visuals like some bar graphs about where, um, you know, counts like how many like counts of particular, say, category or counts of, you know, or the range of measures or so really when you connect to your data and you bring up this one screen, which is really the first screen that you work with, you kind of see like your entire data set in one screen and you kind of see everything. Like, you know, a lot of times when I work with data in, with Tableau, you'd kind of drag and drop, you know, you'd first drag out how many measure, you know, how, what's the count, like, you know, how much, how much data is here. And then you drag out your date and see, oh, how much, what's our time frame? And then you start dragging and dropping some of the dimensions here. You don't have to do that. You in prep, you could just do it in one screen. You see, literally your entire data obviously you got to scroll sometimes if there's a very large data set but you can really see like what you're working with and what you're dealing with um before you start doing anything so mm -hmm. I, I just think that was a, and, and i actually think they ripped it off another uh, uh another product because i've seen that screen before i just don't remember what product it was <laughs> show. but um that screen is i think just gold right um yeah that, that that's probably the best one screen that i've seen of data for sure. That's nicely put. Best one screen. <laughs> yeah. And if you have to pick a new technology uh, that you are most excited about uh, now or in the future, what would that be? I think some of the, the blockchain kind of crypto Web3 technology okay. that's coming yeah. and developing. I think that's really, uh, really interesting. Um, and I think really relevant in today's world. I know it's you know, has its challenges of getting adopted, um, you know, and, and certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's down. I, I certainly bought some Bitcoin in my life, which is, you know, in the, in the tank, but uh, you know, it's more of a future proof type of investment, but I, I just think that web three and the blockchain, I think is going to be very, very relevant in the, in the yeah. near future for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, trying to learn as much as I can about it as well, which is, you know, which is challenging, right? There's, it's, a, it's a big space. It really is. And uh, it's very much evolving space. Um, yeah. And a lot of information out there. So, yeah. 
sometimes it can get overwhelming as to where you start where are you in your learning journey but yeah. uh, definitely i mean if used in the right way i think these two technologies are going to be the future and will be changing a lot of things yeah I, I, i think it's it's definitely up and coming and then obviously data and privacy and security is a huge topic as well which i think that yeah. this those technologies kind of you know solve in a in a better fashion than than what we're doing today right 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 and uh, this is something i ask generally all the guests on inspired is uh, what has been your biggest learning could be from your career uh, or it could be generally in life what has been your biggest learning well i got a lot of them <laughs> i don't know if it's good or bad but um i i just think in general you know everything is temporary right first of all things go by so quickly i don't know if it's just a product of uh, of aging or what have you but you know i see my kids and you know they're now adults and it's you know i still think of them as kids just because mm-hmm. they've grown so quickly and and just it's like a blink of an eye it really does quickly um and then also from a career perspective just you know strategies change products change things evolve um i just think life in general is temporary and and the most important thing is is now and and to really enjoy yourself and immerse yourself and focus on the now because that's i think the most important thing because like i said everything else is temporary so focus on the now get what you can out of the now and enjoy yourself while you're while you're here <laughs> yeah it's it's a nicely put thought and good learning uh, i think we sometimes are too reserved in thinking about the future what's going to happen and preparing ourselves but now the process is it's, it's also the process and the process is now what you're exactly, doing now exactly right? it, it, and it is the journey right it's yeah. not the end destination it is the journey and and that's another reason maybe perhaps why i'm so attracted to data as well because it's you're you're never uh finished right yeah. like it there's it there's always more of the journey um, yeah. to go so yeah well if there's one other thing that i i've learned as well is that to try and improve yourself every day right mm-hmm. um whether it be what whatever you're doing whether it's your fitness whether it's your 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 day-to-day life of you know let's say you're cooking a lot you know making a better version of this dish or you know just constant constant growth and improvement i think is important and i think as humans we, we need that um definitely stagnant and you want to just constantly move yourself forward and in some ways and it's literally it can be just little baby steps right but it's it's that constant baby steps that kind of move you along the the paradigm so to speak for sure for sure uh, and thanks for sharing uh, those beautiful thoughts and your learnings out uh, and uh, thank you for being with us today and sharing your entire experience and also about data canal so before i let you go uh, where can people find and connect with you and in case you know there are people who are looking to engage data canal on their data journey right. how they can connect so uh i'm on linkedin that's definitely definitely a way to to get at me um you can go to datacanuck.com um and uh, i'm also offering like a free 30 minute uh consulting uh call um mm-hmm. if you want to talk about data talk about strategy just kind of pick my brain or if there's some interest there to to go further you know you know that that's another option sure thank thank you so much uh thank you rich it's been no. great i really enjoyed uh, it 
Uh, me too. It was a fun, fun chat. And uh, many thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. If you know someone who would, who you think you should interview, or, or if you would like to connect with me, drop me a line on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I hope you have an amazing day. Stay happy, stay healthy, and be inspired. Thank you. Thank you.